friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. The Montreal Canadiens have pushed the Winnipeg Jets to the brink with a The Montreal Canadiens are one win away from the NHL's Final Four, and that win could come tonight, immediately following this episode of Tim and Friends, as the Jets and Habs go back-to-back, and we are the transition from games three to four in Montreal, as the Habs could close it out in front of 2,500 of their closest friends. But as my dude out in front of Le Centre Bell says... Yo, 2,500 will feel like 25,000, I swear to God. <laughs> and it has a couple of times. Yo, I'm Tim McCallum. That's Jesse Rubinoff. Standing by, we'll get your reaction on this special two-and-a-half-hour edition of Tim and Friends on Sportsnet Radio and Sportsnet 360. We'll get two hours of whole-grain goodness, but for the full Monty, it's only available on Sportsnet TV. So settle in and enjoy the ride, kids. Kendrick Perkins on the NBA playoffs coming up as Kawhi and the Clippers survive. The Suns and Nuggets get underway tonight. And can the Bucks put up a fight even without James Harden? All that coming up with Big KP coming up in mere moments from now. The Jays have the day off after losing two of three to the Astros. And the latest and greatest cheating scandal in Major League Baseball might have to get worse before it gets better. I think we might need another deep dive coming up in the next couple days here on the show. Either way, it's getting more ridiculous than Mayweather Logan Paul. I wonder if Major League Baseball can also fix it like the Mayweather Logan Paul thing. I didn't hold him up. <laughs> what a joke that was. Is that just me, or was that just a Look, complete nutter joke? They said no winners, no losers in the fight. But if you paid money for that fight, you are the loser. <laughs> yeah. That's like, the only way to explain it. Illegal streams literally take money out of mine and Jesse's pockets. <laughs> Takes money out of our co-workers' pockets. But I hope you didn't pay for that nonsense. Sincerely. It was disgusting, was it not? Grotesque. I- I'm actually surprised that Logan Paul trained for that fight and that's what he ended up looking like like kudos to him for going he's eight not rounds a box. no kudos okay. no nothing he's not a boxer he's not a boxer but he's get never someone been in there a boxer. who can train you to at least look like a boxer <laughs> no <laughs> did that happen no <laughs> quote drake these days fame is disconnected from excellence goodness said it better myself from drizzy to biggie get me out of this first things Did I say the Montreal Canadiens are one win away from the Final Four? Yes, they are one win away from the Final Four after their sixth straight victory last night, 5-1 over the Jets. The Habs, who didn't win more than three in a row in the regular season, have not only won six in a row, but they've gone wire to wire in those six. The Habs haven't trailed for 376 minutes, 14 seconds, of game action heading into tonight. It is the fifth longest run in NHL history. Fifth longest run in NHL history. Now, I don't 
want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but the only longer runs in franchise history ended with the Habs hoisting Lord Stanley's chalice in 1978 and 1960. By the way, the other one closest was 1944. They also won the cup that year. In fact, the last time Montreal won six straight in the postseason was 1993. You know what happened that year? Hold on a second. Wait a minute. What in the good name of Gaston Gingras is going on here? I mean, the Canadians were down 3-1 to the Leafs, and they haven't looked back. It's been hard for Habs fans to contain themselves and seemingly harder for the Jets to do it as well. Okay, Carey Price is Carey Pricing. He leads the playoffs and save percentage. Ho-hum. He's done that before. But the Habs are pulling the anti 6 in high school and scoring. Actually scoring. 6 didn't score. Never mind. I don't have to explain that one. Do I, Jesse? No. Uh, Montreal has scored five goals in two of the three games so far in this series. They scored five in regulation and overtime just once in their final 21 games of the season. The scoring is making me believe in the magic, in facing the ghosts and les glorieux. There's a little bit of magic sprinkled here. The signs of 1993 are no mistake, and even amongst the hardcore fans, the turnaround seems shocking from 3-1 to this spot. From losing 14 of 21 to back into the playoffs to this. And remember, I was sitting here in this very spot warning people that any team with Carey Price can't be slept on. I'm still in awe. And so was the social team. Jesse, our friend Matt Morgan, entire crew came up with the match game for today. The Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than blank. Once again, the Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets, more surprising than blank. This has been out for a little while, Jesse. What's been the feedback? Have we been getting lots of responses to today's match game? We have. And I don't think you're done talking about the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather. So why don't we bring up the first response here? Because I could feel like I feel like you just wanted to get more of an opinion out there. The Habs being up three nothing on the Jets is more surprising than Logan Paul going the distance with Floyd Money Mayweather. Uh, there's a there's a video of Mayweather in one of the one punches that he threw him. He threw 14 jabs. Like, <laughs> what more opinion do you want than me saying it was disgusting? There's video of him hitting him with an actual shot and then holding him up to avoid Paul falling flat on his face because he was knocked to bleep out. Does any percentage of you think that it was impressive that no. they that they make that hold on that they make the money that they make doing what like well, the that, hustle that, respect the hustle no that's a completely different like i think they ruined the hustle right Ooh, i that's think a good they point. ruined the i good for you for getting your money and running no one's buying that again anyone who bought that literally has sucker written across their forehead and it might not be sucker Ooh. yeah that could be it for exhibition matches yeah. After that debacle. Tell me if you paid for that. No. You're never doing that again. No, no, no. Completely agree there. But they got the hype. They got the hype. Uh, the Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than Fabio when he couldn't believe it wasn't butter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fa- I forgot Fabio was a thing. Best Never hair. mind, yeah. Yeah, one of the best hair uh, of all time, maybe. The Habs being you up remember three, when I think, he got on, the on a roller coaster and got hit by a pigeon? No, I don't think I've seen that. You haven't seen that? No, we're going to have to look for it. I'll get that one for you. Okay, love that it. That one's good. The Habs being up 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising than Canada starting the World Hockey oh, Championships. What a story. 0-3 with a loss to Latvia and coming back to win the whole tournament. And what a golden goal it was. Surprising, though, after starting the, the way they did in that tournament, no doubt, Timmy. Oh, that's a wonderful... They're the first team ever to start 0-3, men's or women's, in a world championship and win the tournament. For that, I just... That was like a yes. legitimate answer to the match game, which I usually frown upon, yeah. but I'm going to take it and run with it because it was an unbelievable like, story. We do bets on this show, and that's a miss. That's a miss by us that they start 0-3... We should have been all over that. They were not the best team. They just figured out a way. They had kids on that team. They had draft-eligible guys. They had guys playing in Europe. They just found a way. I don't I don't know that we should have known that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, our producers just sent us something that I got to bring up because uh, <laughs> there's no other option at this point. <laughs> so, guys, we can go to the computer at any point. That's, yeah. That's... That's, that's from way back, apparently. That's disturbing. That, that's, what, that's what that is. I don't know, I don't know what the hell. Timmy as Fabio. That, that well, is. You don't, you don't like it? You're not dead for that it? That is. <laughs> uh, our, our director, Matt Taylor, keeps whispering in my ear, Tim at 20. Tim and at 20. I, ne- yeah. I, I never, I, I may, I may I have come close to the body, but never the hair. Ooh. <laughs> It's too good. Well done. Well done, fellas. Uh, let's move on with the match game. <laughs> Wait a second. I hijacked everything. <laughs> the hell was that? I got it that in was my more ear. disturbing to I, me than Mayweather okay. Paul. I got it in my ear, and I went to check it Sorry? out in the email. I- <laughs> okay, go ahead. Never mind. Producer Thomas Dobby in my ear said, we, we got a couple pictures of Tim as Fabio. And when you go to the email and you see a picture like that, you can't just continue on with what you're doing. Right. You see that, you got to throw it up instantly. So. Well, I got the video, so it might be even better than that. Let's go through a couple <laughs> okay. more match games. The Habs being up 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising than the San Francisco Giants being better than the Dodgers, says Gamer Geek. The Dodgers are three games back of the Giants, loaded with talent, and uh, the defending... These are like all Those real chance. answers. Like, yeah. I, I get what he's saying. Well, Fabio wasn't exactly a real answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than the Leafs blowing a 3-1 lead. Just kidding. That's totally believable, says Nick. Well done. Well done. That one hurts a lot of Leaf fans. The Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than someone agreeing to marry me, says Justin. <laughs> goes for a lot of us. Very good. And it goes for a lot of us. Well I done. Understand. Well done. Last one here. Let's finish it up. The Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than Greece 2004. That one's for Sixero. Fueler. That yeah. one right there is for Sid Sixero. Uh, Euro start Friday, by the way. Um, do you want to see the video of Fabio getting on a roller coaster <laughs> with... How could I not? You have lovely it? ladies. Yeah, Matt, don't track the audio because I have no idea what the audio <laughs> says. Uh, but this is Fabio getting onto a roller coaster and looking all Fabio-like. It's called Apollo's Chariot. It was a roller coaster in well, Las Vegas, high, yeah. and they go up. And apparently, it was a goose and maybe not a pigeon. Either way, uh, Fabio, who is known for his wonderful looks, right. uh, his hair, and gracing the front of many. Many a book in his time. 
Uh, Fabio goes around on the roller coaster, and when they get back into the gate, oh, no. he does not look like Fabio. No. Yeah, hit him right in the bridge of the before. nose. I will say this. Fabio handled it with absolute class and dignity, but he caught himself a goose right in the nose. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> of all people, for that to happen to why Fabio. Are la- why are we laughing, Seth? <laughs> Sevi is absolutely... <laughs> Crushed, doubled over behind oh, him. It's just that's because of how good he is. Yeah, very impressive. Thanks, you, thank you for finding that. I needed to see that. See, that's yeah. that's the way to get your Monday going. 100%. Seeing a guy who seemingly has it all have some unfortune that doesn't really yeah. cost him his life. Yeah, feel for the goose, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened to the goose. Uh, all right, back to the Habs and Jets. Send in your match games. We'll keep it going throughout the show. And again, we have you until 7.30 Eastern time here on Tim and Friends. Jesse's got you covered. Matt Morgan's got you covered. Send in your match games at Tim and Friends on Twitter and the gram. We got you covered. Now, it must be said, the Habs have seen some big names on their opponents and end up on the outside looking in. Let's John Tavares, Felino, Muzzin, now Shifley, DeMello. That's not said to undermine what the Habs are doing, so relax, Canadians fans who are going to yell and scream that they're still good. It's just to point out a little run of luck that may have come to an end. Jeff Petrie suffering a freak injury on his hand. For those who haven't seen it or don't know about it, the Habs D-man caught his fingers on the photographer's hole in the glass. And heading into tonight, he is a game-time decision. Odds on Zavulet over Alexander Romanov to replace Petrie if he can't go. At least that's the word that we're hearing from Montreal. Either way, though. Big loss, obviously. Petrie's been a part of the Habs big four and has played over 24 minutes a game in each of the last five for the Canadians. This is an interesting one. Jets obviously need to win four in a row, and they win need to win two straight just to get Shifley back into the lineup to help them score goals against Carey Price. They've scored just twice in the two games without him, and if you need reminding, I'm here for you. Only four teams have ever come back from 3-0 down to win a series in NHL history. The last was in 2014 when the Kings came back to beat the Sharks. But in the immortal words of Lloyd Christmas, so you're telling me there's a chance. Kind of. The Jets have no changes to the lineup, but suggestions that the line blender could be out in full effect again as the Jets desperately need to find something like, I don't know, maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois' first goal in 23 games. Here's Paul Maurice on the shuffling. No, I don't think you ever, rarely do you ever just shake things up. There's There's a thought to it. Some of it's the opponent, the matchup they're running at home. Uh, but we, you know, we've gone rolling into about five periods of hockey here without one of those are more offensive line scoring the goals. So we are looking for a different look. Biggie Ehlers really likes playing the right side with the exception of against certain teams, certain styles. So there's, there's a lot more to this. So you try to put your best players in a position either with the people they're with, but it, it also matters who they play against. And so you're just changing the match a little bit. There is Paul Maurice. Uh, obviously the Jets need to score goals. Um, we only got about a minute and a half here, Jesse. I don't want to walk down match games here. 
You don't want to do match games. I, I want to, but do you have, like, a minute's worth of match games? Oh, yeah. All right. Fine, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I, just, I didn't like, want to put you in a tough position with about a minute's well, worth yeah, of I match mean, there, games. There, there, so let's do it. There's times where they're not flooding in, but now is not one of those times. We okay. got some answers. So All right. uh, Brady says... The Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than Tom Wilson getting a $5,000 suspension and Shifley getting four games. Yeah. 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 Duh. The Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than finding out Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. Spoiler time, alert. Yeah, Spoiler about alert. About time to get over that. <laughs> yeah. About time so. to get over that. I agree. Meh. Alex, the Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than Jesperi Kotkaniemi having more playoff goals than Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and Sidney Crosby combined. Started the uh, playoffs in a suit. Very impressive. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. Don't yeah. forget, he also started the playoffs in a suit. The Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters. Yeah, again, one of those ones that's just true. Uh, give me some more comedy, okay. some humor. Okay. All right. Here's, I appreciate I, I think this is not, not you. I'm talking to the Tim. I was going to say Tim and Well, Citizens, I think a lot, the next Tim one lined up is, yeah. is rather comedic. The Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than Rogers Media going more than five minutes without mentioning the Leafs. <laughs> not bad at all. <laughs> I got one more for you. Uh, the Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than Ryan says, you still having a job oh, after Sid Two left. zingers in a row. Oh. Like, I have feelings, too. Yeah, that, I mean. Like, I am a human. If you prick me, Ryan, do I not bleed? <laughs> it's also a Monday. I mean, I guess that, that explains it. Like, you just... The insults come flying in on Mondays because everyone's you know, in a bad this mood, Twitter right? Twitter thing. I'm, yeah. I'm starting to get the feeling that people are kind of mean on this very, Twitter thing. Very disrespectful to start a Monday. Ryan 32005742. It hurts. Cuts like a knife. Take a couple numbers out of that. Uh, Still Twitter. to come. Kendrick Perkins on Kawhi's effort to will the Clippers to a series win over the Mavs. Plus... We go all out ahead of the Jets and the Habs. Game number four, Justin Bourne in studio, Eric Angles, Chris Cuthbert, Dominic Moore from the rink. Up next, Elliot Friedman from CBC. More your match games. It's such a big night. We're even working overtime with you until 7.30 Eastern on Sportsnet. Tim and Friends, which apparently doesn't include Ryan. Let's go. And the Montreal Canadiens have pushed the Winnipeg Jets to the brink with a 5-1 victory in game three. Leonard down the other end with the catch. Grab on Marjanovic. Count the basket and the foul. The stoic superstar Kawhi Leonard. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. You said that you had a defensive mindset. <laughs> they throw it into the backcourt for Trey Young. Throws it up and that is the exclamation point. John Collins with that smoke to say goodnight. The 3-2. Three, three. Oh, my goodness. Barnes gets a call on a curveball. Oh, my. Not even close. Riley Smith trying to get it back for Marcia so through the crease. Scores. Marcia so with the hat trick.
Welcome back to Tim and Friends after a disappointing start from the Jets in Game 3. Habs had eight of the first ten shots on goal. They'll need to be better tonight if they want to extend this season. As mentioned, only four teams have ever come back from the 0-3 deficit. Here's Nick Ehlers, Paul Stastny, and Paul Maurice on the task at hand. we got to win a game. Uh, it's pretty simple. So we're excited for it, and... Uh... We're going to go out and play better than we uh, we did last game. At the end of the day, the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens both have to win a game to move on. For us, it's it's just moving on to the next game. It's for them, it's moving on to the next series. But both teams have to win a game tonight to move on. There's a lot of belief. And, um, you know, whether it happens tonight or not, I think we have belief within ourselves that this group, what we can do. And, you know, we just put our best foot forward and, and just kind of leave it all out there. No matter what, we need to win a game. Um, so we're looking forward to it, and we're going to go out there and, and, and work our asses, asses off for it. Speaking of working their donkeys off, they are going hard at the mothership, and I've known this guy since I lived at my mothership, a.k.a. the parents' house. Elliot Friedman joins us now, and he's such big-time stuff. Every time he comes on here, it's sponsored by GMC. That's right, friends. Time now for 3 of 31, brought to you by the GMC Sierra AT4, the premium off-road pickup truck built for adventure. Fridge, I could see you smiling when I said that I lived at my parents' house. I did too, Tim, you know, in in my, at a point in my twenties. So it's not like you're alone in this one. No. And I think uh, these days with the prices of houses, uh, that's just going to happen even more. Yes. Uh, Let me just say as, as a bald man sitting here, and I know that you may be losing a couple feathers in the back fridge, but the hair is absolutely glorious. I don't well, care what anyone says. I really appreciate it. Actually, I got to tell you, staff really likes it. I have told her before that I would like to shave it all off. And she's like, you're not doing that. Not a chance. She said, I'll put up with the beard. I'm not putting up with baldness. Right. And, uh, but... She really likes it going out like this. No, no, no. <laughs> she means that. Thankfully, she finds me. I can pull it more, off, a hole. Th- thankfully, she means she. It means that she finds me a lot more attractive <laughs> than she finds you, which I'm. I'm good at that. Yeah, we're both. But, but uh, you know, like I would do it. I would totally go. I would go right with you. I think you know what I had forty good years. It yep. might just be time, but I'm kind of happy with this. I will say this: uh, one, easy pandemic haircuts. Yeah. Uh, two. It's a lot easier in the winter. And three, you don't have to do anything. And I know that you, as busy as you are, are a fan of not having to do anything. Yes, I am very lazy. <laughs> right. There's no question right. about that. Right. And uh, I was only saying that about your wife liking you better than me because I think that's fitting. <laughs> she married you. It makes sense. I, I would certainly hope so. Right. Uh, Fridge, uh, listen, I'm surprised that we're at 3-0. Oh, yeah. You are too? Like, I I don't think, I know that there's Habs fans saying, ah, it's just because you don't believe in these Habs, but they were down 3-1. They haven't lost since. You know, Tim, first of all, I'm with you. I'm shocked that it's a 3-0 series. Number two, so a a good friend of mine lives in Montreal. He's a big Habs fan. He's like, you didn't believe in us. You didn't believe in us. And I said, two weeks ago, you didn't believe in yourselves. You guys (laughs) were all running the Canadians out of town when it was 3-1 Toronto over Montreal. But, you know, the, the one of the things I really just, I really believe is that Montreal has found an identity and it sticks to the identity. And the identity is we're going to make it really hard on you to score. We're going to protect the house. Um, we're going to be disciplined. Our defense, the top four especially, are pretty big. Uh, and we have an all-world goaltender. And so we're going to make you get through all of that and him to score. 
And the other thing is they're mean, they're nasty. Um, you know, one of the biggest differences I thought between the, the Jets and the Canadians yesterday was, you know, you, you, you know, first of all, Price and the Canadians, they don't allow a lot of juicy rebounds. Either he's squeezing them as you're showing a lot here or they're getting cleared out of the way. Um, but the other thing is, on a lot of highlights, you'll see Jets forwards or whoever's in front of the net on their backs or on the ground. Yeah. And I thought the Canadians in particular got to Hellebuck last night and they weren't paying that price. So between their identity of their defense and also, you know, they have really talented scorers and it doesn't take a lot in game two. You give Toffoli one chance, he buries it. You give Caulfield and Suzuki a chance the other night, they bury it. Corey Perry is, you know, playoff Perry is reborn at this time of year. I just think they have enough guys to take advantage of the opportunities when they get them. They'll be cautious. They'll be cautious. They'll be cautious. Oh, you're giving us a chance. We're going to score. They've embraced that identity, and they've won six games in a row playing it. I didn't know who the playoff P would be in this series. Is it playoff Price or playoff Perry? I think both are living up to the playoff P moniker. You can go either way on it. They can do it like a Logan Paul Mayweather fight <laughs> over it. All right. You didn't watch that, did you? I, no, I just saw the highlights. I was, you know, I was working last night. Uh, I couldn't watch it. I don't think I would have bought it. You know, Mayweather, look, he's done everything he needs to do in boxing. Everything for him now is about all about the Benjamins. So right. uh, I just know that everything he does <laughs> is not going to be about entertainment. It's about the cash. So I tend to stay far, far away. Uh, P. Diddy, a.k.a. Elliot Friedman, joining me here on <laughs> Timmons. And by the way, don't act like I'm the only one that watches my phone while we're on the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just didn't look. <laughs> I, I looked at Chris Johnson in studio after we learned that Dylan DeMello was out, and I said, like, they're done. And he looked at me, and KG's taught me, gave me the old anything's possible, yeah. but it feels like the Jets are trying to ski through a revolving door here. Like, how do they get back to basics and get a few goals in here and get some confidence because right now it feels like every shred of momentum is on Montreal's side. Well, you're not wrong. It, it certainly does look like that. I mean, you know, injuries are all part of the playoffs. DeMello being out is a big deal. Stasny being out for and he for the first two games, and he said this morning that yesterday he was spending basically half the game getting back to it. You know, I think the Shifley suspension has really rattled them. Not that he got suspended, but the length of it. Uh, the fact it was four games, I, I think it's really rattled Winnipeg. And you have to handle all of this. Like like we said, Montreal was down 3-1 in Toronto. Their city was blowing up on them, and they've won six games in a row. And the playoffs are a big test of that. Can you, when, you're, when it looks like all is over, look, I mean, how many people thought Vegas was in big trouble down 2-0, and they fought back, and they have Colorado reeling? The playoffs are all about that. And the Jets have had a really difficult time handling that. I, I think all of this is, has affected them mentally. They don't look the same that they did, obviously, against Edmonton. Against Edmonton, I thought they were incredibly disciplined in the way they played. Here they look rattled. And I, I've been really surprised by it. I mentioned on the pregame show last night that one of the players on Columbus reached out to ask if Dubois was hurt because he couldn't understand how he looked like that. They said that... That is not the Pierre-Luc Dubois they've seen before, and they were stunned by how he looked. But, you know, I think the Jets, and I think some of their players were kind of looking at it like after the first two games, you know, so much has happened to us, we, we can't get ourselves in any more trouble, and that's not a mentality that you can play with in the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Canadians, like I said, they've been disciplined, they've been tough, they've been playing to their identity. The Jets have been completely rattled. It's affected their entire group, and, you know, like, 
I, look, I never believe it's too late. As you said, there's four teams that have been coming back. You've got to convince yourself, why can't we be the fifth? But that said, you know, they've really, really backed themselves into a deep corner. If you're looking for positives from a Winnipeg side of things, uh, and it sounds like, listen, I know that it's a game-time decision officially, but there are reports out there that that hand injury is pretty significant to Jeff Petrie. Um, if he's out, is that a big hole that Montreal needs to fill? It's a, it's a loss, absolutely, because I think he's played unreal. But, I, like, if you're Winnipeg and, and you're looking at this like, oh, boy, maybe Jeff Petrie isn't going to play. That's good for us. Yeah, that's not the – you're not going to win the series like that. The only way that Winnipeg's going to win the series is if everybody there just gets back to the level that they can be. And, you know, Montreal's playing with a, a certain – I still think this whole thing is unbelievable as I watch this Petrie. Yeah. Um, you know, the like, Montreal is playing – the way they have to play to win. They've all bought in. Winnipeg in the first round did that too to beat Edmonton. They're not doing that here. They have to get back to who and what they were in the first round. Like I look at Winnipeg and and I and like and Montreal like how much more is there to give them Montreal? Well, I'm sure there's more, but they're already playing at a, at a really high level. You know, Winnipeg like I think there's a lot more to give there and the only way that if you're going to say there's good news well that's the good news for me is that Winnipeg can play a hell of a lot better than they've played they just have to do it uh is there a way to explain what Carey Price is doing here like I mean his yeah. his save yeah, there is yeah he's great <laughs> but his save percentage in the regular season was pedestrian at best and he yeah. has been unbelievable in the postseason again do you think it's just I mean, I used to say it when we did OUA broadcast together, but special players make special plays on special days. Yeah. Is that just like in his DNA that when the chips are down, he's his best? Um, I just I, generally, I, I think a lot of great players and people uh, perform better in high stress situations. So I think that's some degree of it. You know, I, I think it's also fair to credit, look, the quality of chances he's facing are, are probably nowhere compared to what he was facing in the regular season. But, like, again, like, look at all these highlights. Like, how many good rebounds are there? Yeah. Like, he's, he's either squeezing them. The, the, you showed one a second ago where he poked it away from harm. Like, to me, that's a goaltender. Again, squeeze it there. Like, this is a goaltender who's dialed in. And, you know, first of all, I think that, I think it's a combination of things. He gives them confidence, but I think they're giving him confidence. Like we said a couple times in this conversation, Tim, Montreal is playing a style right now where Carey Price knows you're always, there's always going to be breakdowns, there's always going to be mistakes, you're always going to face good chances because you're playing against really good players. But I, I would bet, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now, that when you look at the quality of chances Montreal was giving up in the regular season, it's nowhere comparable to what they're giving up now, much less and much more disciplined. It's, it's like the old chicken and the egg that, you know, are, are you better because you have a great goaltender or are you better because you're not giving up a lot of chances. I think the good thing for Montreal is that the answer is both. You have both. You're not yeah. giving up as many chances, plus you have a guy who's all-world. Like, I don't get the hate for Carey Price a lot. I, I really don't. I, I think that he's... I think he cares a lot about his teammates. I think he cares a lot about the Montreal Canadiens, and I think he's a hell of a goalie. Yeah. 
Me too, and I've said for years in the studio that I thought he was the best goalie on planet Earth, but when you look at the numbers in the regular season and you think, well, maybe maybe he's just slowing down, obviously not the case. Um, mm-hmm. How much is on the line for Winnipeg tonight? Because, listen, every Canadian team that has bowed out has faced tough questions. How much is on the line if they get swept here in this moment? You know, I, I think that's a great question, Tim, because you talk about the roller coaster of playoff emotions – like, this is going right up to the top of the Yukon striker at Canada's Wonderland. <laughs> and then just the ultimate depth right at the bottom of it. I Hopefully it's I, not Fabio with his nose, but whatever. <laughs> well, it basically is. <laughs> yeah, if it feels sweat. like it, yeah. You know, like, like I, I, I was thinking about this last, actually today. And, you know, I, you know, I was kind of wondering about, you know, how do you look at this if you're Winnipeg? Do you say, you know, hey, you know, we... You know, we really grew and we showed that with the way we picked apart Edmonton that we're a deep, talented team. And when we do the one brain thing as they were talking about, they're really tough to beat. And then, you know, you get eight days off and a week later, like, look where you are. Um, I think it's a really difficult team to figure. I, I think some of it they'll say is not having Shifley there. But, I, you know, I, I'd say if you're the Jets... If I was in charge of the Jets, the one thing I would be worried about more than anything else right now is just the way mentally the team has fallen apart. Yeah. And I'd say this, like, you know, you're going to face challenges. You're going to face challenges. Things are not going to go your way. But I, I, I'm stunned at what I've seen, how I've seen them react to it in this round. I think that's, I think that's a big challenge. You're kind of looking at it and saying, yeah, we have a lot of things stacked against us right now. But not only are we down three nothing, but it's the way we're down three nothing, and you know I, I think that's a that's a big challenge for them to kind of look at and say how do we how do we grade this? But we'll see tonight. I mean, yeah. you, 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 I mean, you just have to come out tonight and play your best game of the series by a mile because, like I said, they've got a lot to give. Uh, what I've learned in this episode of 3 of 31 with Elliot Friedman is if you're going to ride the roller coaster, don't do it like Fabio did. <laughs> Escape with your nose. That's a quick pull, Jesse. Nice job. It <laughs> wasn't me. That was Timmy. <laughs> Attaboy, oh, okay. Jesse. Credit where credit's due. Uh, no, you know what? I always like to, I always like to credit would... the producers because we all know that we're total morons on air, <laughs> so usually we're not the guys who do this stuff like this. Yeah. I didn't get that. I was listening to you the entire time. Thank you for each... <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, take care. There is Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada. He will have you covered starting at 7.30 Eastern right here on Sportsnet. Habs, Jets, Game 4. After the break, the Clippers survive Luka and the Mavs. So are they now the clear-cut favorites to come out of the West? Speaking of how quickly it turns. And could Trey Young and the Hawks upset the top-seeded Sixers in the East? Kendrick Perkins next on Tim and Friends. And I'm back to hockey. Season on the line for Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers looking to force a game seven. My goodness. (laughs) Kawhi Leonard for three. It's good. Leonard step back three. Bang! A masterpiece from Kawhi Leonard. Five to shoot for Kawhi for three. He has done it again. 45 for Kawhi. Another iconic playoff performance. He destroyed us. That's what, you know, he does. Winner take all. The Mavericks and the Clippers in game seven. 
Here's Leonard on the drive. And the finish. Kawhi Leonard throws it down. Leonard down the other end with the catch. Grab by Marjanovic. Count the basket and the foul. Everything going Leonard and the Clippers way. The stoic superstar, Kawhi Leonard. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. And this series is over. The Clippers advance. Raptor fans done seen it before after he was criticized for airballing a potential game-tying shot at the end of Game 5 against the Mavs. Kawhi put the Clippers on his back, scoring a combined 73 points in Game 6 and 7 as the Clippers advanced to face the Jazz in the Western Conference semifinals, carrying the extra weight of what some would call a cursed franchise, and even more pressure after blowing the 3-1 lead last season against the Nuggets, Kawhi was off the charts good in this series. He averaged 32.1 points per game on 61% shooting and over 42 from three. Add 89.8 from the free throw line. He's the fourth player in postseason history to have at least 200 total points while shooting at least 60% from the floor in a single series. Last person to do that was maybe the most dominant big man of all time, Shaquille O'Neal in the NBA Finals. And let me tell you something, he wasn't shooting threes in that series back in 2000. People these days are looking for honesty and authenticity. And my next guest, in the words of Marshawn Lynch, delivers that over and over and over and over and over again. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back Kendrick Perkins. What up, Big Perk? Hey, what's happening, Tim? Good uh, to see you. Good to see you. How are things? We just saw you on the jump. We're glad that you could jump on with us. I appreciate you having me. Anytime. I've been missing you, my brother. Yeah, me too. Listen, I... I haven't, I've been watching you, so I feel like I'm not missing you. And I know that when I watch a lot of the folks down south, I saw them get after Kawhi, and I thought that was a bit of a fool's errand after game five. What did you think after game five and then the show that Kawhi put on after? Well, he showed us all and gave us a friendly reminder on why he's former two-time defensive player of the year, okay? And why I gave him the name Kawhi Leonard Jordan. He put on a masterpiece offensively in game six, giving them that straight work and going Luka majority of the game and locking them up. Kawhi Leonard said, okay, I hear y'all talking about Luka. I hear the media talking about Devin Booker and Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell. Well, guess what? You're going to mention my name again. And I think Kawhi is doing is he is embracing a moment. He sees that the Los Angeles Lakers are out of the playoffs. He sees that the Western Conference is wide open. And now we're seeing the two-time finals MVP come back to Ralph Foreman and enter his name in that best conversa in that conversation as a best player in the NBA type conversation. Do you think that there's dudes who understand the stage and then rise to that level? Yes, yeah. he's one of them. Yeah. He's one of them. I mean, just think about game six in particular. I know Reggie Jackson had some good production with 25 points, but Kawhi Leonard was not going to be denied. He took over that game at every aspect, clocking in 42 minutes. And not only that, he picked and guarded him who's averaging 36. He's embracing that moment. And to say that the man is uh, shooting over a little bit over 60% 
for the playoffs, for the series, that's incredible because yeah. it's not all dunks. It's mid-range jump shots. He's shooting 43% from the three. Right now, he is in his bag. He's locked in, and he is in a zone that killed Mo's zone. This is the, the Kawhi that we've yeah. all grown to love, and he's coming up when it matters the most. Yeah, robot mode. He's, he's like it's a video game. Um, so Luka's real, and I think that we all recognize that, and it wouldn't have to fall the Kawhi if he wasn't real. What do the Mavs have to do to make sure that they surround him? Well, see, it's hard because people want to say surround him, but Luka dominates the ball yeah. 98% of the time. And, and so what you're going to surround them with? Nothing but shooters? People are talking about, oh, he needs help. Well, I mean, how much help can you get him if you don't know what your other guys are going to be able to contribute? Porzingis in particular. I'm not a big Porzingis fan, but I do know one thing. Last year in the bubble, he was averaging 29 points because he was more involved in the offense. He was getting touches on the low block. He was getting touches around that mid-post and elbow area where he was able to be effective. The Dallas Mavericks added and traded for Josh Richardson, which was a key part. He didn't even really see the floor in this series. So I'm looking at it, and if the players are not put in position to be successful, it's only one direction you need to be pointing, and that's that Rick Carlisle. Coach Ty Lue coached circles around him in game six and game seven. Right. Is this is this Harden in Houston, Perk? Yeah, it's different, but it's a different type of play, right? Harden in Houston was uh, uh, analytics under Daryl Moore, right? right? And Mike D'Antoni's yeah. system where you wanted to five threes. But even Harden in Houston, he still had a Robin. He still had a Chris Paul. He still had an Eric Gordon where they were able to play freely, right. where they didn't just have to run the, the sets through Harden all the time. Now, did Harden dominate the ball? Yeah, but not 98% of the time, maybe 60%. So this is two different, two completely different situations. Uh, the Harden situation and the Luka situation. Luka has the ball in his hand so much, and guys are just standing, waiting for him to make a play, and, and they're catching a the ball with four seconds left. What do you what do you expect any player to do in the NBA with, in that type of scenario? Yeah, Przingis, uh, there's rumors that he was he, he didn't like being in the position that he was in. You could tell by the way he played in that series. I mean, the numbers were awful. Listen, I know I I know my time is limited with you and I got to talk a little old school with you cuz I know you got a little old school in you. And when I watched that Knicks Hawks series, I had this feeling that we were seeing a little old school. And I'm going to be honest, like, I didn't know if Trey Young was just this dude who scored on a bad team or he was real. And I got a ton of respect from watching that Knicks series and then to do what they did in game one. Do you really think the Hawks might be able to turn this around and knock off the number one seeded Sixers? I do. Yeah, I do, especially with MB being, uh, not being healthy. Look, that last series prepared the Hawks for anything. Tough environment, a physical team. The Knicks were one of the best de teams defensively. And we have to realize, this is nothing new to Trey Young. That's, yes, this is his first time in the playoffs, but he embraces the bright lights. Go back to his college days in Oklahoma. Before Zion Williamson was getting this type of star-studded treatment in college, 
It was Trey Young. Mm -hmm. We actually had NBA players on social media while other NBA games were going on. They were tuning in to ESPN2 to watch Trey Young play basketball. He embraces this moment. But the Hawks have depth. They have shooting. They have rim protection. They have it all. And they have identity. And they're well coached. So what, what to me, I think the Hawks are going to win this series in six. That's just my honest opinion. If the Hawk, I guess there's a, I was going to say, like, listen, I heard Embiid say he was hands down the MVP, and then I watch him lose game one. I guess the excuse is that he's banged up. But if if I were in Philly, I would start wondering what this team really is because this is their best chance so far. It is. It is. This is an evaluation period. Yeah. And, and what we don't know is what's going to happen with Bradley Beal, what's going to happen with Damian Lillard. And if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm keeping a close eye on it because you do have attractive assets and personnel that people will want. Like, Portland will probably consider taking a Ben Simmons if they're going into a quote-unquote a minor rebuilding stage for Damian Lillard, right? So right now, Philly is under a, a crucial evaluation, especially the others. We know what Joe B is going to bring to the table offensively. He's a, he's a seven-foot... 275-pound version of Akeem Olajuwon. It's the others that have to step up, and the other is his Robin and Ben Simmons. And I love Ben game, but getting those 15 assists and 10 rebounds right now is not enough. Getting nine points, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons has to score 17 or 20 in order for Philly to even be in this series with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, We're out of time. True or false, if you come out in a DX shirt and tell everyone to suck it, you got to win game one. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) On cue. Thanks, KP. Always great catching up with you, my dude. All right, thank you. There is Kendrick Perkins. Over and out. Time for a break. After we come back, we go right back to the ice. Habs haven't trailed in 376 minutes. A crazy turnaround since trailing the Leafs three games to one. Could they finish off the sweep tonight? Sean Reynolds, Justin Bourne, Dominic Moore, Chris Cuthbert, all coming up as we take you to the Habs and Jets game four right here on Sportsnet. Friend the Sheepdogs, uh, more friends coming up as we continue here on the aptly named Tim and Friends. Another full hour on Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And we're going overtime all the way up until 7.30 Eastern on Sportsnet ahead of Hockey Central. Ron McLean, David Amber, and the boys take over with Game 4 between the Jets and the Habs. Not much lineup news today outside Jeff Petrie being a game-time decision for the Habs. And if he doesn't go who goes in for him. We'll also keep an eye on Game 5 between the Islanders and the Bruins, which gets underway in about a half an hour's time on Sportsnet 1. Justin Bourne in studio shortly. We might take live look-ins to that game, plus visits with Chris Cuthbert, Dominic Moore, and Eric Engels in Montreal. And speaking of that, that's exactly where we find Sean Reynolds with our first guest of the hour from Montreal. Sean, how are things, buddy? 
Well, a little windy, but other than that, an absolutely phenomenal day for the city of Montreal. Not only are they leaving the code red behind, moved into code orange today, things getting back to normal. A lot of optimism, a lot of excitement over that, but never mind the fact that their team is on the verge of booking their ticket to the conference finals. And who saw that coming just a couple of weeks ago? But the Montreal Canadiens absolutely firing on all cylinders. The Winnipeg Jets, they're in the middle of a crisis of confidence. You could see it in their last game and the way they played and how they answered afterwards. How do you get that confidence back? Well, Paul Maurice, their head coach, said, you do it quickly, Tim. They don't have any other choice. They need to come out, have a good start here tonight. Maybe take a lead in this series, something they have yet to do yet, but it's going to be hard. The Montreal Canadiens have been playing to their blueprint absolutely perfectly, and the coaches, both of them, will tell you the difference in this series so far. The Montreal Canadiens are getting to the blueprint, uh, the blue paint, making Connor Hellebuck's life miserable. The Jets just haven't been able to do the same to Carey Price. Yeah, it's almost as if the blue paint is the blueprint in this series. Listen, if you... Uh Follow the, the the Jets. You know that Sean Reynolds and Ken Weeb uh, together, Kenny and Rennie, uh, have themselves a YouTube channel. You can go check them out after every game, before games. They are constantly putting content up there. I talked to your uh, co-host, uh, Mr. Weeb, at the end of the season, and he used the exact same term to describe Winnipeg down the stretch and that is a crisis of confidence when they were struggling in adapting the new system. Could that provide a little bit of confidence knowing that they were in that spot not that long ago and were able to sweep the Oilers and turn it around like that? It's interesting you bring that up because down the stretch, the, the Jets looked terrible and they kind of flipped the switch and came into the playoffs and were a very different team. I didn't expect them to get past the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but one of the problems with that, Tim, is that they had fallen so far during that stretch. I think you, there's a little bit of muscle memory involved and the confidence that they built over that Oilers series while it was good. I think it was a little bit fragile and they really weren't that far away from the end of the season where they couldn't score goals. And what the Montreal Canadiens have done really good psychologically in this series is leaned on them and made them feel like scoring goals is really, really, really hard. And the Jets felt like that not too long ago. They dug themselves out of that pit of despair. So you're right. There's that blueprint to follow of them getting themselves out of that. But I also think there's a heavy, heavy burden on them right now in trying to rediscover offense that they kind of got back in that Edmonton series, but there's been more cases of lack of offense going back about 20 games than there is reason to believe that they can break out. Got to win two to get Shifley back and obviously got to win four in a row to get back exactly. uh, where they need to be. Uh, Sean, appreciate you doing this. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Excellent, Tim. Thanks. There is Sean Reynolds in Montreal. Should have asked him what it was like to get on an airplane. Uh, joining us in the studio is a guy who has helped us get through these playoffs repeatedly, and he does so again for, I'm guessing now, your full hour and a half here, right? Like, you're not bouncing yeah. halfway through this. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Bourne. It used to be more applause <laughs> when I came on the show. <laughs> There you go. I, you know what, though? I feel like that's as you move from the friend category to family, you right. don't need the constant feel good and accolade. So it's just <laughs> right. a matter of us getting comfortable together. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of family, by the way, we're going to talk Habs and Jets, but as soon as you mentioned family, the ears perked up. I got the Spocky and eyebrow. Did I see your father in law at the Islanders game? 
doing a little damage to a beer can on yeah. a jumbotron, or was that just me? I mean, what an absolute beauty! I guess he's sixty-seven, sixty-six now, just not afraid. The thing is, like, he is. The life of the party, he is the center of attention. Any room he is in, right. the room just gravitates towards him. I could not have been more intimidated when I started dating his daughter, my now wife. Like, the bar is just so high to be cool around him, and you just you <laughs> fall short of it. You can't live up to that. You just have to accept it. For those who don't know, uh, father-in-law is former Islanders. Uh, what, four-time cup winner? Did yes. he win all four of them? Yeah, yeah Clark yeah. Gill. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Because he won all four of those cups. He's good at the sport. Uh, he was pretty good at the sport and pretty good at winning as well. Yeah. Uh, so Clark Gillies is the father-in-law. Yeah, that would be rather intimidating, the 60-something-year-old dude smashing beer cans against his head. And also, I spend a lot of time trying to hang with them in the beer can smashing department. Right. You can't. Some people are just, <laughs> they, they have a, an ability that others don't. Uh, as, is this series as entertaining as he is? Uh, no. No, it's not. <laughs> you know? the, I think, sorry, the Islanders Bruins. Yes, the yes. Habs Jets, no. Sorry, I was focused on yeah, Canada. Yeah. The Islanders uh, Bruins series is unbelievable. <laughs> it is. I like the rap. I shouldn't have stopped yet. No. And I like the rip on the Habs and the Jets. Yeah. I shouldn't have stopped yet. The pace is different, but also, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful to the Winnipeg-Montreal series, but it's the fans. Yeah. Like Long Island, like Nassau Coliseum, what's happening there is it just is reminiscent of a better time in the NHL, and you can see what's happening in Vegas and with the Islanders and buildings rallying around a team that's able to find new levels of pace and engagement. And, you know, the fans, man, they mean everything. Will they go to Belmont? The uh, fans? If, the Long Island fans? The real I, fans? I, th because I think I, listen, so, Listen, yeah. no one went to Brooklyn, no, I and I was here saying the they should just go back. They should just go back to Nassau because that's what you get, what yeah. we've seen over the last little while. You don't think they'll go to Belmont? I do think they will. Yeah. I think they'll find a way. Like, if it's going to be the permanent home, you know, the Brooklyn thing never fit with what, you know, they're, it's just not who Long Island fans are. It's not no. Brooklyn. That doesn't work for them. Bel Belmont, you could make some sense. It would be interesting, though, if they could keep uh, Nassau in their back pocket and, like, when they're in a losing streak, go just play go back. <laughs> just like <laughs> and intimidate fans. Can. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it, but I, I think they'll travel. I, I don't know how New York is doing it. Do you know how they do it? Like, I know they have a system, but I look at the team every year and I think, wow, they're just, they're good, but they're not good enough. And yeah. then they make a long run last year, and here they are going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Bruins. Yeah, you know, it's a, they're a real case for analytics not quite being there yet. Not because the analytics say the Islanders are bad. This year, they're actually, they defend the Islanders a little bit, but they get outshot, by and large, by shot attempts. Mm -hmm. um, they are the veteran team with intangibles and grit that plays the system. They are the anti-Leafs, right. essentially, is what, you know, which hurts. And it's fitting that Lou is there. Yeah, it is yeah. quite fitting. You know, yeah. it is the, the difference in, uh, in the ways to build a team. There was a question to Barry Trotz after the last game where they asked him about Matt Barzal playing with Leo Komarov. And which, can you imagine if that happened here? Like Barzell was paired with Komarov or a player of that ilk, how that would go over? But they asked him the question. He's like, listen, you guys go play fantasy hockey. We're going to go play playoff hockey. And I know what I'm doing. And it's tough to argue. By the way, I think the Capitals win another cup if Trot stays there. Or at least get close again. He's so good. It's, it, it's funny that it worked out that way. Yeah. You know, and not a lot of people have done that. Hey, remember when they... Walked away from Barry Trotz, yeah. like, or Barry Trotz walked away from them, however you want to see it. And would have been fascinating to know what the numbers are because coaches' salaries went up around, you know, around that time. I don't know what he was asking for. I don't think the Islanders would have given him, I don't know, $5 million, but 
Yeah, I don't think the, uh, the Islanders are outpaying Ted Leonsis. Like, that's no, not the history exactly. of the game. But it seems like a pretty big fumble for, for the Caps in retrospect. Huge fumble. I no, mean, no disrespect to Todd Reardon, but a little disrespect. Well, I mean, you walked away from a guy that got you to a cup, and you haven't been back anywhere close since. Right. It's pretty black and white. And so, yeah, dollars and cents, uh, I understand you, you don't want to spend too much on coach compared to the rest of the league, but results. All right, so as a neutral, uh, which we are sitting here on this desk, okay. what series is the most entertaining to you? Yeah, because Colorado, Vegas. Is, and can you figure out what's happened here? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm paid to, so I'll make, make some words about it. Right. You know, if you look at the uh, the chart all year for the Avalanche in terms of, like, shots, shots for, and they've been plus 10, plus 15 in this game, plus 20, a couple times they got outshot. The last two games they got pumped. Right. So what's fascinating to me is their coach actually calling out their yeah. top line, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Like, this line's been so good all season. The, he actually took it, you know, went at them and said, when their line was on the ice against the other team's lo- uh, line, we got killed. And that can't happen, and I thought that was great. So I don't know if it's as simple as one line getting outplayed, but I like the idea that the coach saw that and called it out. But Okay, so here's where we disagree. You don't like it. I don't, because what happened the next game? Got pumped again. Got pumped again, and the line was minus six. Like, yeah. they've carried you for years. Yeah. Years for whatever you were. And I understand that that game, they did not look good. And... If you want to go out and do it, maybe be a little bit more tactful with it. I just, yeah. I thought you kind of bailed on your guys in yeah. the first time that they show some, and maybe there's something lingering, and maybe it was something that he saw for a couple games. I mean, basically, they won game two, but didn't deserve to win game two. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what Bednar was talking about when he went after that line. Sure. But from the outside looking in, I'm like, this, 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 yeah, line they can't is- have one off night. Yeah. yeah. They can't, they can't screw up for one night with it. And then I thought, wow, minus six the next game. Obviously, yeah. it was a 5-1 game. Not many pluses there. Right. I wonder if they're, you know, so I think that's a really good point that, you know, I, I had a. Uh, you can tell me if it's not, by the no, way. No, no. We're, we're there. <laughs> okay, we're, we're there. We're yeah. No, I think. That's it an is. awful point, McAuliffe. <laughs> it is a good one. I've seen, like, I had a junior hockey coach, in particular, junior players are a little bit more emotionally fragile, but yeah. I, the idea seemed to be tear guys down earlier in the season and rebuild them by playoffs and right. have them thinking they're superheroes. Right. Every coach I ever had that by playoffs, it was back pats and, hey, you're going now. Like, this is the one, this is the version of you we've been looking for. And you're like, yeah. am I? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go even harder. <laughs> but, you know, so there is an element of that, that by playoffs, maybe you protect your guys' egos a little bit. But I'm torn because here in Toronto, people will say, you know, where's that on, on Mitch Marner? Why aren't we hearing that after yeah. game five from, from Sheldon Keith? And why isn't he? Oh, it's blue and white disease. Or whatever it is. So interesting. I think you got to walk the line a little bit. I like your point about you can make the point and make it tactfully without being like these guys were junk. Yeah. Because they, they he were, went hard. Yeah. He went, he <laughs> it's went touch hard. aggressive. I thought, but uh, I, I like the sentiment behind. On its face, this happened. We can't pretend it didn't. They need to be better. I haven't seen the hockey card, but did I just learn that you're a right-handed shot or you're just a good actor? Uh, no, correct. Right-handed shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like, I do the, the demo? Yeah, you, yeah. Did, you did the demo there. Uh, listen, we've got a match game going today, and. Jesse Rubinoff is sitting over there, and he's been collecting for a, about a half an hour now. And I, whenever I let it go, it goes away. I don't want to let it go, Jesse. Do you have a few when we can get it going again? Because we've got another hour and 15 minutes on this edition. I love it. Let's kick it off right. again. You got Welcome. some. Welcome to the match game again. Thank you. I'm Justin. excited. Yes. Uh, okay. So <laughs> the match game we have today, the Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than blank. The Habs being up 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising 
than Friedman's hair. Yeah, I've known him for too long. That's not surprising. Yeah, I don't know. Not surprising First in day, way. But it, we, we threw this up uh, just about <laughs> <laughs> half an hour ago or so. That is George Sakalos, who's the ancient aliens host yeah, on History Channel. And this thing is just... It's become a banger. I know this the idea. The idea is that you want to look one with the people that you're not, a, you know, you can't go get a haircut while the rest of the, the province right, can't get right. a haircut. But, like, I mean, I got a black market haircut on, on someone's deck. <laughs> you know, you can do it. You're on TV. You people got, are going to make it. I got a black market haircut. That <laughs> yeah. is a wonderful sentence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does it cost I, less on the I black have, market? I have one, of my, I have one of my family. The wife is just out there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You're outside. You wear yeah. a mask. Come uh, on. Bing, bang, boom. Um, Mike wrote in, and I saw this one, and I might, I'm not trying to one-up our own know. account, oh, yeah. but I don't know if this is a little bit more fitting for Elliot Friedman to get him combined compared to Albert Einstein in some way, shape, or form. That's what he yeah. looks like when he comes in, and then Hillary, the, <laughs> the makeup, makeup artist there, has to go to work. I just respect the attitude. I mean, he... Knew his hair was like that. He's like, let's go. That's it. That's oh, great. yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. This is freeing to Frege. If you've known him as long as I've known him, yeah. this is, he loves the fact that he can't get a haircut. But he I can't get a haircut. <laughs> he kind of looks good. I, you know, I don't dislike it. It's close, a little shaping, and I think he's got something there. No? Okay. A couple more. The abs <laughs> being up 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising than Patios being able to open three days early. In Ontario. In Ontario, Ooh, yeah. I'd be in Friday. Ontario on that. Pretty good. Uh, the Habs being up 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising than finding out Jerry's name is actually Jesse. <laughs> That's, <good. laughs> That's right. Sid came on and called yeah. him Jerry. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. No, it was a multiple time thing. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. just one. Yeah. 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 No, I yeah. kept fine. doing I, it. I, I live uh, as Jason Bourne. So. All right. Keep them coming. Yeah. Uh, Jason Bourne, really? Uh, well, come on. And how do you not? I, they made that mistake before the movies. Now I don't have a prayer. <laughs> Bring them in. We want All more right. match games. So keep sending them in. At Tim and Friends, Instagram and Twitter. We will get to them throughout the show. Justin Bourne, a.k.a. Jason Bourne, sticking around. Time for a break. <laughs> but we head inside the arena next. Usually we have Dominic Moore on the week of Smash Fest, his charity table tennis tournament. But this year around, he's working the game. Part of NBC's broadcast tonight in Montreal, and he will join us from the arena. Stay with us. Dom Moore next. Tim and Friends. Welcome back. The Jets with a massive uphill task to get back into the series with the Canadians after sweeping the Oilers. Shoe on the other foot. Round number two. Paul Maurice says his team has to try and stay even keeled. Handling the highs and lows doesn't mean you don't feel it. Um, it's how you come out of it. So we, you know, I think we did a real good job with it during the year, had a real tough stretch of hockey and came out of it much, much better. And I would, I would, just, I would just suggest that that Edmonton series was so much closer than you think, and, and for me so is this one, that, that the highs and lows are... are probably not nearly uh, as evident in our room as they are everywhere else, right? The emotions of it, uh, um, and that's a function part of, you know, playing two Canadian teams. You get that, right? It's built into to what we do here. So I think they've handled it very, very well. 
Our next guest has been an old school friend of the show dating back to his days as a player and his charity work with Smash Fest Canada's greatest table tennis tournament. He's now working for NBC. Welcome back, Dominic Moore. How you doing, Dom? How are things? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I was talking about the playing days, and I know that you played with Montreal in 2010. Nice little run with that team. Uh, do you see any similarities between that team and the team that we're watching now? Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember that year like it was yesterday. I mean, we made the playoffs on the last day. No one gave us any chance against the President's Trophy winning Capitals. And we're down 3-1. Everyone's just writing us off. And then storming back, here we come. And, and to be able to pull that off. And the thing about it is, once you get through a series like that, you feel completely invincible. And that's exactly where the Montreal Canadiens of 2021 are right now. They just can't lose. Hey, and that confidence, you just got to ride it as long as you can. I just interrupted you, and I feel terrible. But I didn't want to toot your horn. <laughs> and say someone who had two goals in the regular season after being dealt to Montreal ended up with four in the postseason. I don't know if I, if you remembered that. <laughs> well, I do remember. And, I, you know, I remember that game seven against, against the Caps. Uh, I ended up having the game winner in that game. And, we, you know, it was the 2 nothing goal, actually. But then the Caps ended up scoring when they pulled the goalie. So that ended up be, being the game-winning goal. But uh, I also remember how excited the, the city of Montreal was when we came back victorious and then we we're able to parlay that into a second round win over the defending champion penguins so great memories for sure we just saw the highlights here those weren't just goals backhand shelf i mean those are legitimate <laughs> goals those are just nice very nicely done um i wanted to get your take on the difference between playoff and regular season hockey because mark bergevin told us all year that this habs team was better built for playoffs and lucky here they're better better built for playoffs what is the difference and why is that possible yeah, I mean, I think I think the playoffs. There's less room. Uh, there's you know the, the the skilled players. There's still room for the skilled players. But for me, the, the playoffs are about the skilled grinding players, and you know you need to find those grinding goals because teams make less mistakes. They don't turn the puck over. You're not going to get as many transition opportunities. You're going to have to fight for every inch. And to me, you, you look at teams like Boston, and they added a lot of guys that didn't perform well in the regular season. Um, that are now performing well in the playoffs because they're skilled, but they also play a grinding style of game. And I think that is true of the Canadians. There's guys, you know, you look at the fourth line for Montreal, um, the veteran guys, uh, Stahl and Perry, and then you've got Armia there. They've all got size. They all can play off the cycle, protect the puck well, and they've been really effective. So it definitely is a different game, and some teams are built that way and some aren't. It's funny, like, as you're saying this, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, and this might be a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How much of that is learned, and how much of that is willingness to do that job that you're talking about? You mean in terms of being a skilled, a grinding type of player? Yeah, to go down and get those greasy goals down low on the offensive end and then fight that battle in the same spot defensively. To be honest, I don't think it's learned. I think you, you're either that kind of player or you aren't. And I think as a GM or a coach, you, you, you want to bring in players that play that, that style because in the playoffs, I think everyone has to play their game. And, you know, just talking earlier about how a lot of, a lot of players are told by coaches or managers, like, it's the playoffs, you've got to finish every hit, and it's the playoffs, you've got to go to the net, and it's the playoffs, you've got to play this way or that way. No. When the playoffs start, you play the way you always play. 
and hopefully your game is suited to playoff hockey. Hopefully your team is suited to playoff hockey, but you don't go and be someone you aren't once the playoffs start. That, that just doesn't happen. Dom, did you ever feel in your own career that your play was affected by the goaltender who was in your team's net, like maybe a little bit more desperate if you felt the goalie couldn't make the saves? I'm just trying to make some sense of why the Habs seem to be, I mean, utterly flawless for a half dozen hockey games now. (laughs) Well, I don't think they were utterly flawless for a half dozen. I think they actually weren't that great against the Leafs uh, as a team. Mm -hmm. I think Carey Price uh, carried Montreal almost all the way through that series. If you look at kind of the grade A opportunities, I think there was a, a ton um, against the Leafs that Carey Price just stoned them on, and Montreal was really giving up a lot more than they are now. I think getting through that series, the team gained, gained a ton of confidence, and now Carey Price actually hasn't had to be all that great. Like, he's been solid, but no grade A opportunities in Game 2 for Winnipeg, and very little inside the dots, and very little, you know, screened attempts, so... I think Montreal as a team has picked up their game with the confidence gained from getting through round round one and played a really sound defensive game. Did you ever have a coach who could instill confidence without you? Like, it seems like every shred of momentum is on Montreal's side right now. Can a coach or can a leader change the confidence in the room to give the Jets a little bit going into this game four? I think... Think, I think it comes down to earning the momentum change on the ice. You yeah. can say all you want, um, but it comes down to doing it. And for me, it's just little things. Like, you never know what it could be in the game. Maybe it's, maybe it's you finally win an offensive draw and you, and you get a scoring chance that you wouldn't have had if you lost the draw. Maybe it's a, a puck battle on the wall that you get the puck out. It leads to an on-band rush. Like, you never know, I think, what that play could be. But momentum in the playoffs can change on the tiniest of things. And right now, Winnipeg has not been able to find it for three games. And so they have every reason to be frustrated and and impatient. But you have to keep telling yourself, okay, it, it can change in an instant. Obviously, they've got a heck of an uphill battle to go, especially without their best player. What are you made of uh, Cole Caulfield's performance so far? You know, he's a kind of a top prospect there in Montreal, and what he does is score goals. He hasn't scored goals, but he still feels like he's been important for that Habs team. Yeah, I mean, I gave him a star. I gave him the third star in the last game, even though he just had the one assist. I thought he was really noticeable. Um, he's on the puck. He's, you know, talk about players just playing their game. He's doing exactly that, and he's been very noticeable for me. He's He's getting a lot of scoring chances I thought in game two he kind of passed up a lot of shots and then in game three he was trying to shoot the puck more and just really effective at getting himself open and um, offensively finding room and to do his thing so I think he's been really good and I think it's only a matter of time before he gets that first goal. Dominic Moore joining us here on Tim and Friends with Justin Bourne in studio in Toronto. Um, I wonder if, and given how much the top four D-men have played for Montreal, I wonder if Jeff Petrie can't go. This might be a bigger hole that we're making it than we're making it out to be right now, given the fact that they've seen so much action. Yes, so actually I do think if Petrie can't go, I think this is a lot bigger deal than maybe people think. And we saw on the Winnipeg side how big of a hole DeMello, you know, you didn't yeah. think about that as being a big deal, but... It just changes the whole balance. And Montreal has been able to really hide that third pair um, and really give them limited minutes, um, you know, especially towards the second half of games. They taper those guys off to protect the lead. And 
uh, you know, that's so that's 24 some odd minutes that you have to give to someone else. And so it's going to either be Kulak or Gustafsson or whoever they put in. If, it, if it's Willette or Romanov tonight, that's 24 minutes that you can't hide. So I think it's actually a bigger opportunity for Winnipeg than people might think at first glance. Dom, through 31 penalty kills, the, uh, the Habs have been scored on three times and they've scored four goals. Uh, you killed some penalties in your day. What have you made of this group? This is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Um, so as a guy who loves, loves to see the shorties, it's funny because when you, when you watch Montreal play, it's not, a, it's not a coincidence that they're scoring all these shorthanded goals. When they get the puck on their stick, a lot of times killers get the puck on their stick and they just send it down immediately. And a lot of times you just wait and see what happens. Something presents itself. The, the first, the goal that fights a Foley was the perfect example. Nine, you know, 99 out of 100 players would have just iced the puck and changed. But he just held on to it, waltzed down the ice at a snail's pace, and, and then just waited, and two Winnipeg Jets fly by, and he toe-drags and puts it shelf. But he didn't actually create anything. He just kind of waited to see what happens. And so guys like Marchand have been doing this for years. Him and Bergeron, and they get the puck on the kill. Because a lot of times you're going to catch these power play guys. They're not, they're not thinking about defense. They're not thinking about defending, and they're not ready. It catches them off guard. So... It's a smart play, and it's no coincidence at all that they've got all those shorties in the regular season, and they're continuing it now. Buddy, you're like a natural at this. Like, this was smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you doing it with us, and it was great to catch up with you, man. Yeah, great to catch up, guys. Take Thanks, care. Tom. Thank you. All right, be well. There's Dominic Moore uh, covering the series for NBC. We're right back to the rink after the break, and this time we're going to the rink. Chris Cuthbert will join us with his perspective before calling Game 4 as we count down to what could be a night of celebration in Montreal with the Jets looking to spoil that party. 2,500 feel like 25,000 tonight on Sportsnet. Welcome back, Tim, Justin, and Jesse. We are about 90 minutes away from game four in Montreal. Canadians trying to win their seventh straight and sweep the Jets. Pretty remarkable as the Canadians try to advance to the semifinals for the first time since 2014. All right, here to help us break it down, he is among the greatest play-by-play -play voices in the country and has the hardware to prove it. Chris Cuthbert not only calling tonight's game in Montreal, but he joins us live on a game day. I hope you and the truck know how much we appreciate this, Chris. No, I, I, it's uh, my pleasure. Good to be with you guys and forget about those guys in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I hear there may be some lineup news coming across the wire as we speak. Well, we're, we're, we're not sure yet. Jeff Petrie sounds like he is likely to play. You saw that freak injury with the fingers. Uh, the, we're told that it might be a dislocated uh, finger or two, but that uh, he is expected to play tonight. And to be honest with you, I'm looking forward to seeing the Jets uh, warm-up skate because uh, Paul Maurice was a little vague about whether or not uh, all hands would be on deck tonight. So we'll have to wait and see what kind of lineup changes might be in store for them. And whether that includes uh, Paul Stastny again. You've watched the uh, Winnipeg Jets a number of times this season, like the rest of us. Uh, what's missing here? Well, you know, it just seems like something's a little bit off for this Jets team. Uh, Timmy was talking about a crisis of confidence before. Could it, could it be as simple as that? Well, I'm going to state the obvious. Mark Scheifele's missing. <laughs> right, and right. This, this looks a lot like the team 
I saw in the bubble when Mark Scheifele went down last year. Now, they did win game two against Calgary, but they went out pretty quickly in games three and four with uh, kind of a similar look to what we've seen so far. Uh, I, I want to see the Jets with the lead and find out how that impacts the series and, and uh, puts pressure on the Canadians. Otherwise, uh, you know, we probably just expect what we've seen so far. I was just thinking about the show that Carey Price has put on. And even in the, the 3-1 deficit to the Leafs, I thought he was pretty spectacular, even in losing three of those games to Toronto. Um, you've watched a lot of playoff hockey in your time. Is, is there a goalie that jumps out to you that you remember seemed to be, I mean, his save percentage in the regular season was pedestrian, and here he is putting on this show again. Is there a goalie in your mind that jumps out that seemed to always be at his best when the chips were down? And where does Carey Price rank in that mix? Well, you know, Dominic Hasek comes to mind. Uh, Patrick Waugh, for the most part, certainly comes to mind. And this, is, uh, this has got 1993 written all over it. Marty Brodeur probably was different. He was a guy that was probably in the heads of opposing players. But, uh, you know, they played so tight in front of him. And, uh, and I, you know, to, to give Montreal credit, and Dominic Ducharme mentioned this last night, that as much praise as Carey Price deserves... Uh, I think he wanted to make sure that people were recognizing how well the team is playing in front of Price right now. And, and, and I go through the, uh, the list of highlight reel saves that we've seen in this round, and, uh, and there have been uh, more than a few. But, uh, you know, Winnipeg's not getting those clean looks for the most part and, and certainly not taking advantage of them. Last, last game, some hard luck, too, with those two crossbars. Chris, you've seen the transition from zero fans to slightly more than zero fans. Are we overstating it here at home who don't get to feel the energy, the value of those fans? Because it seems like they make a difference, even though there's hardly anybody in the building, relatively speaking. No, it's real here. Uh, 2,500 seems to make a difference, and, and these Montreal fans have made a difference in the in the couple of games we've had. And I, I don't want to downplay what happened in Winnipeg because it was a wonderful environment, but uh, with the... Uh, frontline workers who were there uh, and they were enthusiastic uh, they brought a, a lot of energy to the building but there were only 500 and it seems like you need 2500 to get a quorum here and um, you know I'm just thinking if if it ends tonight it might be another week and a half before there's another game in the semifinal here and by then the way things are starting to open up maybe there'll be a lot more than 2500 so we'll keep our fingers crossed by the way the breaking news i had involves the fans because as we open up a little bit the Chien show here at the bell center which are probably the best in the league and oh. poutine will be for sale but Ooh. there is there is a catch, and oh, no. I know this would throw you guys. You have to uh, you have to buy that to get your beer. So uh, you you might have to mm. you know mm. hot dogs, poutine, and beer tonight. True, true or false, uh, Cuthbert? That is the best chien show. The Stime is the best chien show in the league. It is, uh, and the only debate you might have had was. Uh, uh, back in the good old days of the Colisee in Quebec City. They had a pretty good rivalry going uh, off the ice with the Chia Show as well. And I, I think the, the underrated part is the, the toasted bun. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ask Anthony Stewart. He says he used to sneak about six a game when he was playing there. <laughs> Legit. Not making fun I think John Legit. Garrett had him in the pads too, I think. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, again, always appreciate it, game day. Uh, have a great call. 
Good stuff, guys. Thanks, Chris. There is uh, Chris Cuthbert, who is getting set to call the game. So in in Montreal, it's not steamy in the... I always thought it was steamy in the... They toast the buns, the butter with the... And Sebastien Moet is working the camera, so I'm talking... You're going to the authority yeah, yeah, on I'm, this, I'm yeah. talking to behind the camera. Um, Sebastien, is it... Is it the toasted buns in the arena and not the steamy? It's not the Because I'm a bit, I, I don't know about you, but I'm a big steamy guy. I do, I do appreciate toasted buns, a little butter on the side, kind of yeah, like yeah. grilled cheesy. Right. I feel like I'm going to get hauled out of this building when I say this, but I've never been to the Bell Center. Me neither. We've got to get you there. It's going to happen. Road trip. we got to get you there. I'm just not a big... Friend trip. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we can go, though, now. We could do that. This, these are things that we can... Tickets this are 5K. Sportsnet got money, but they're not paying for that. <laughs> we can walk around, go to the casual store. We'll be fine, right? <laughs> Sebby, right out in front there. I think they'll serve the same hot dogs. Uh, appreciate Cuthbert joining us here on, uh, on Tim and Friends. But that's honestly, like... There are there are delicacies in Montreal. It's a great culinary town. Yeah. And when I go there, I think smoked meat and steamy. That's it. Like, it, it's it must crazy. be so offensive to them. They're <laughs> yes, like, yeah, you guys yes. like the fries and gravy? That's what we do? Like, <laughs> yeah. We've been to the Poutine, good places? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, all right. So we got a match game going because most of us are surprised that we're in a 3 nothing spot here. And the match game taking over a wee bit. Jesse Rubinoff has been collecting them. The Habs being up 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising than blank. If you've never played along with us, hit us up at Tim and Friends on Twitter or Instagram. Graham writes in. The Habs being up 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising then. In 2021, you can buy weed retail, but you have to get a black market haircut. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Listen That's to the good. show. That's yeah. pretty good, Graham. Yeah, way to pay attention, Graham. Yeah. Nice job. Uh, the Habs being up 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising than the Mud Dogs coming back from 27 nothing in the second half to win the Bourbon Bowl. This, this is your second, your second Adam Sandler in his many match games. Well, yeah, what did we talk about last week? If... if you know, he deserves respect for making a ton of money and every character being kind of the same. Right? <laughs> yeah. In fairness, though, the, the Mud Dogs had a path back. There was one we saw. <laughs> yeah. It was there for them. Right. This, that, Unlike the Jets. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to go get the Ouch. water boy to play Ouch. linebacker. Uh, the Habs being up 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising than Trey Young's hairline. Haven't we learned not to go after Trey Young's hairline after what he did to the New York Knicks? To be honest, I'm a little sensitive to those. Yeah. And then I don't know if that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's my No, there's some early draft picks on the team play ball, and this is going to be a sensitive subject. But, like, mm. you know, Patrick Lyon, might, might be on, he's an early pick. Oh. I'm just throwing off, oh. Matt, off you know Matthews what? out there as a potential mm. down-the-road candidate. Oh, Can go. I say something here as, as a member of the Brethren? Yes. The bald Brethren? Of course. Uh, how come we're allowed to be made fun of and it's just... It's not making fun of. We're just talking about... I, I I think that that tweet from Mr. Turnbull was well, a little... Okay. There was a little... I should be the one taking offense at Hairline. I'm the one that's got it going back. You've, you're pot committed. In defense of <laughs> yeah. it, I'm, 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 I'm in purgatory. I love it, yeah. I'm already in. <laughs> well, in defense of hair, uh, we did post the about Elliot. The big blind got there, me. There were a lot of tweets about Elliot and, and his hair, so it's not just... You know, the lack of hair where we're directing the jokes. It is also people with it's, hair. It's also, it's hair. also yeah. people who can't comb their hair. Right. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. All right. So it's not just specific. Yeah, to, it says yeah. two guys. Yeah. <laughs> the Habs being out 3 nothing on the Jets is more surprising than 
Producer at Sports and Central, Ryan Moyne, says the Habs being out 3-0 on the Jets is more surprising than Jerry never having seen the Fabio video before today. <laughs> to be fair, like you were probably like 12 when it came out. I had no idea. And it was just, I mean, pretty gruesome, honestly. Poor Goose and poor are, Fabio. Are you really pretty gruesoming the... Listen, we watch hockey. <laughs> Randy Johnson. Like, what are you talking about? Fabio's nose is just a high stick on Brendan Gallagher. Like, what are we doing here? Don't feel bad for Fabio. He's had a pretty good life. I mean, the TV's kind of far away from me, so I'm going to have to look at it closer when... Uh, He's just hair them, and but... teeth. Like, good life, man. It's amazing. It's a, it's I think a the theme of the of show gig. today... Yeah, yeah, if you can get that gig, like... Hair awesome. is most definitely the theme of the show today. It is. It like, started off hot with Fabio, then Elliot showed up, <laughs> then the Trey Young jokes, yeah. Tim taking offense. Black market. <laughs> Black market we're, we're, in, we're in deep on this. To, yeah. to be honest with you, I don't take offense. Everyone's way too sensitive, and I'm okay with it. I just find it funny that we can, that's the one spot we we're still left. allowed to go. We yeah. got nothing left to <laughs> yeah. pick on people for. That yeah. is a good question, though. Like, what, what is it about, about no hair or baldness. I think it's Larry people... David. I think Larry David opened the door right. to the bald brethren being the butt of the joke, although we always have been. We're okay with it. We're strong and we're proud. Uh, speaking of strong and proud, Thomas Dobby was whispering in my ear. He's the producer of the show. He said that we were going to take a live look in on the Islanders and the Bruins, but something just happened. Did, did that nullify our live look in? <laughs> this was moments ago. Uh, oh. David Pasternak, who missed a wide open net in game four, does not miss here. Game five, and the Bruins are on the board first. Again, this game just starting 14 minutes ago. Um, yeah, well, I was just going to show a picture of what Pasternak showed up in today just to explain sort of the yeah. swag. I tweeted about this and said he's a guarantee to score a goal tonight. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Obviously, oh, he's going to score when oh, yeah. he rolls up with that. You don't not score when you wear mint ice cream on your suit. It's yeah, amazing. that is very impressive. That is, uh, I mean, Pete, goodness gracious. But uh, he's into fat. He's Serge Ibaka. He does fashion. You better score when you show he up. He does like art. Yeah. And David Pat, well, he, he showed up the last time wearing <laughs> a similar true. suit. Missed the wide open net. <laughs> But he's got the Bruins on the board. This game available on Sportsnet 1. You want to add anything? I knew you were going to jump in there, and I cut you off, and I don't no, want to do no, that. No, no, he had the hat trick when he came dressed ridiculous the other night. Oh, <laughs> right. Two nights ago. So this is a, this is a thing. Yeah. He, well, I, how about this? I'll just say this. David Pasternak is, despite missing a wide-open net, he's really good at scoring goals. Did yeah. it look like his confidence was rattled? Yeah. He came <laughs> no. in the next day just wearing a suit-deep tailor, just yeah. like skin tight. And it looked like he scratched the ceiling on another one-timer yeah, on that goal afraid. there. So one nothing. Uh, that game's available again on Sportsnet 1. If you want to flick, go ahead. We won't be offended. It is a hockey game, but we are taking you up until 7.30 Eastern right here on Sportsnet. We'll say goodbye to 360 and 590 in a flash, uh, but we will stay here on Sportsnet for uh, about 45 minutes and hand you over to Ron McLean, David Amber, and the crew. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to a pair of Canadian golfers in their prime. Stephen Ames, Mike Weir finish 1-2 at this week's Champion Tour event. The Principal Charity Classic Ames shot a final round 67 to become the first Canadian to win more than once on the 50 and over circuit. And it's the first time Canadians have finished 1-2 at a PGA Tour or Champions Tour event 
since Dave Barr and Dan Halderson did it in the 1981 Quad Cities Open. We're about to do Last Call with Justin Bourne and Jesse Rubinoff. I'm going to ask you guys the first question of Last Call. This is a curveball. Jesse was looking at his scripts. He looks a little bit rattled, to be honest with you. But I'll, I'll just ask both of you. Better gig. Fabio's gig that we just talked about just being a good-looking dude or Champions Tour golfer? What's the better gig? I'll tell, I'll go first. I'll say it's Champions Tour golfer. Yeah. I think modeling is probably one of those jobs that Loki sucks. <laughs> like, you, like I, th- I got to believe there's more to it, and you got to put up with a lot of phony people, and well, it's an right. industry. You got to right. be in that. And you know that you're just going to stand there, and then someone's going, no, no, but go yeah. just a little to the right, head nod side. It's like, I'm going to look the same in right, a second. Yeah, Does right. it look now? Take the picture. I'm out of here. <laughs> right. Champions I Tour golfer. I, I agree. I agree, Champions Tour, because with, with Fabio and modeling, like, it's too easy to fall off the wagon if you're Fabio. Yeah, like, well, a couple get... trips to like the drive-through, and then yeah. and then the, then what happens? Well, right? just never never career. mind the drive-through. You go on a roller coaster, and all yeah. of a sudden, boom! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The and, and, <laughs> and the champion yeah. store, like it's literally in the name. You're already a champion. You've made it. Right. That's true. So you don't actually it. have to have success yeah, on the tour. Yeah, you can leave to be... at any point, and you're fine. <laughs> right. That is that is my goal to be a champions tour golfer. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to just get there. It's amazing. There are people who like decide in their middle age, they're like, yeah, I'm going to make it. And then it turns out you have to be really good at golf. I, uh, I bet a friend at around 25 in a bar one night, $5,000, that he would not make the champions tour. When does that get we're, paid? We're 45, soon? yeah. It's like, and we were like 25 and $5,000 meant something. Will but... you hold him to that? Uh, Pete Brown, if you're watching right now, I'm waiting. <laughs> He's got to put in the work. Is he? Is he? Wait. No, no. It's he was like late, uh, Pete. pure, yeah. pure work at 25. Right. Got like relatively good, relatively quick, and then there's yeah. ever since. It's not too okay. late, Pete. You got time, buddy. Um, Tim's got the money. So, so <laughs> when did the last call? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do. We already question. started. We already started. Uh, so uh, everyone's favorite Habs fan. Do you remember the the, the guy with the twenty five hundred? Yo, yeah, yo. Let's roll the original clip because there's there's this some added stuff to it. This is my today. guy. Yeah. Yo, twenty five hundred will feel like twenty five thousand. I swear to God. Yeah, that's my guy. Okay, so he's back. What? He is back. The Montreal Canadiens Twitter account has tweeted out just about, I don't know, an hour ago or so. They're pretty good. An update. Because how could you not? This guy's a legend. Let's hear it. Yo, 2,500 will feel like 25,000. I swear to God. Ce soir, on vient à l'Amérique du Canada. Canadien 4. Go, Habs, go. Let's go. Canadians in four. Best team in Canada. I heard that. Who's better, uh, that guy or... Talk about curveballs. That is a curveball. Warren, you want to vote? You know, there, there's a confidence to my man, to my man with the 2,500 that I think is enviable. The other guy sounds like alcohol to me. <laughs> it, it, it is alcohol. You are correct. But the video that goes with Tatar, and I know we don't have it, but the video where he walks in front of the child who's supposed to get <laughs> the camera time in that classic shot of father and son walking at a game right. that he intercepts with ta-ta! <laughs> I, I, I might be a tie. Great question, though. If it wasn't for ads, I'd have the video, but <laughs> I got hit with an ad. And- <laughs> It's just the way it goes sometimes. It's our video. Yeah, it's our video. Oh, it's so I tried. Good. I tried. Uh, we discussed throughout the show uh, last night's pay-per-view. Quote, 
boxing match between Floyd Mayweather and YouTuber Logan Paul went the distance eight rounds. And because it was an exhibition, there were no judges to declare a winner. Justin, we haven't heard your take yet. Uh Did you watch? And if so, what did you make of it? So I didn't watch, but I follow this all exclusively. I just go to bed at a certain hour. But... I just, I can't handle it, man. I can't handle the Paul's thing. It, I don't understand where the money comes from. Like, Floyd got 20 mil for that. He, he made how much? Where does that come from? I don't even understand. Like, 50 bucks at a time? That adds up? Yeah. What am point. I missing about the math? Point. Like, well, how do we get to these huge numbers? I don't know that, like, first off, I don't know we know that number. I know they okay. said that number. Yeah. I don't. Showtime obviously paid something for this because they put it on pay per view. Right. But if you're a legit fighter, and I saw. I forget, what was it, Francis? Um, I, I saw a legit fighter say, what the hell are we doing wrong? Like, if you're Dana White, I would be crapping my pants right now because a bunch of your fighters are going, what the bleep? Yeah, how's that kid making a million, millions? It's insane money to me. I yeah. mean, he's built it up on YouTube and all that stuff. But Mayweather said he made $30 million before the fight even happened. So I don't blame Floyd. Happened. I got to say that. Whether I don't, I don't blame Floyd either. Yeah. I, I don't believe Floyd, too. I also yeah. think that he's broke, and he's been broke for a long time. Even, really? Even though he makes all this money. Yeah. Bought like a Rolls Royce for everyone bur- in his he circle burns yesterday. It. He yes. just sits at parties and burns money. Yeah. He can make 30 mil in a quick eight rounds. Sign me up. Well, not actually. Uh, we've been talking about another clutch performance I by Kawhi it. Leonard last night. 30 in game million? seven for against sure. the Mavs. Yeah. Me versus me, it's yeah. oh. After the game, ESPN posted this Photoshop image of Kawhi's famous squat in the Raptors' Game 7 win over the Sixers. Meanwhile, Bleacher Report also put a new twist on a classic Kawhi Raptors moment. Have a listen. What it do, baby? Yeah. 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 Timmy. Should these media outlets stop messing with Raptor yes. fans' psyche yes. and their favorite memories it's of It's not Kawhi? even Raptors fans' psyche. It's like everyone's trying to one-up everybody and just stealing things that don't actually work. I like both of those outlets. I'm not trying to throw stones from a glass right. house. But what the hell? I know. It's so weird. I haven't seen that either before. Like, moments from another team's title and Photoshopping other teams on it. That's the first time I've seen of that. I've seen it before. I just think everyone's so hungry these days. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that so much on our digital account. Like, <laughs> don't appear hungry. <laughs> Please. That's the it's only a, thing I ask. Yeah. But it's an impossible line to walk. Like, the easier oh. thing is just to be openly hungry and post everything <laughs> that hits. Yeah. Come. Come yeah. in. Uh, that's our line that we always worry about. <laughs> Are we too hungry? Jesse, uh, is that it for last call? I got one more unless... No, no, you've run guess, out of time. no, we ran out of time. <laughs> no. That's fine. But you can do it in our overtime show, which is about to start. Love it. Those on Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, we've got to say goodbye. Sportsnet tonight, George Russick, Andy McNamara next on the radio. Meantime, we are back. Maybe Jesse will give us that extra little last call next. Another half hour across the country on Sportsnet, taking a game four from Montreal. Ron McLean, David Amber in 30 minutes time. Stick with us. We'll talk to Eric Engels next and Tim and friends. Second round matchup that everybody expected. The Canadians and the Jets. Canadians are going to clear. Evans is going to get down there first. The net is empty. Can he tuck it in? He does. He's a price, but scores the goal. Shikely flattens Evans, who hasn't got up. And this is a vicious hit. And will there be further implications? Brutal.
didn't need to happen. Wrong play. Uh, he knows better. It was a dirty hit. If he gets back in the series, we're going to make his life miserable. Game two, round two from the Manitoba Capitol. The Canadians riding a four-game win streak. Up onto the stick of Toffoli with Lekkonen. It's a two-on-one break. Toffoli scores! Short-handed goal for Tyler Toffoli. When you look at Carey Price, he's so dialed in to where the puck is. This has been another night where there just haven't been enough second and third chances by the Jets. The Canadians hold on, and it's Carey Price with his eighth career Stanley Cup playoff shutout. I think everybody's kind of put on notice with the way he's been playing. It's pretty incredible. This all-Canadian Stanley Cup series moves to Montreal. Canadians with a two-game lead. It's a two-on-one. Armia and Byron. Yoel Armia holds. Fire scores. Another short-handed goal. To Foley, Caulfield, and Suzuki in front scores. Nick Suzuki from Caulfield. How about this pass? Take to take. And just like that, it's 4-1 Montreal. And the Montreal Canadiens have pushed the Winnipeg Jets to the brink with a 5-1 victory in Game 3. The Habs on the brink of an unexpected sweep of the Jets. They've won six straight since trailing the Leafs 3-1 in the opening round. Welcome back to an extended edition of Tim and Friends. Justin Bourne alongside as we take you up until 7.30 Eastern when we hand it off to Ron McLean, David Amber, and the Hockey Central crew ahead of Game 4. Jesse Rubinoff also standing by with your match games here on this Overtime edition of Tim and Friends. We'll keep a close eye on the Islanders and the Bruins. Game 5 right now on Sportsnet 1. And Justin, we talked about this earlier. A lot of people are surprised that we're at this spot. 3 nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. Mm. And it seems like they have every shred of momentum. Do you see it changing going into Game 4? You know, the, there is kind of, a, I guess, a, a path for me, which is just score the first goal. Like, let's just see how this Montreal team looks like when they have to open up and get out of their structure a little bit. To me, that's where Winnipeg can thrive because they got guys who can score goals and create, and you let Nick Ehlers start to have a couple more chances and things might get a little a little weird for you in a good mm-hmm. way. Um, then after that, you go back home to Winnipeg, and you, you can kind of get some momentum going. That's the only way. They go out and Montreal scores the first uh, first one tonight. I believe that would be Curtin's. Is is that what's most impressive of this six-game winning streak for the Montreal Canadiens? First off, they they haven't won six straight all year. They, the most they won in the regular season was three in a row. Wow. Not only have they won six straight, but they've gone wire to wire on them. They've not trailed for 347 minutes and counting. Like, is that what's most impressive about what they're doing right now? Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, you go back to the Leafs series and get that game five where... I think a lot of us, myself included, pretty much were calling the fight over. You know, like the Leafs just looked too good. um, And Montreal could have believed that and showed that with their effort. They didn't. They came out and they pushed. The Leafs didn't have an answer. They get the Montreal gets the first one. There's one game and you start that momentum. Game six, got that push again, got that first goal. So there is an internal belief there. And I think that comes with leadership and veteran experience and all the things that Mark Bergevin has said. This team is built to have, is built to do. In the end, I mean, the guy was right. They're better built for playoff series than uh, than the regular season. Kevin Bieksa came on here on uh, February 12th and said the exact same thing. We checked it. He was right. It yep. was February 12th. And uh, they look like they are built for the playoffs. We'll see if they can keep it going. There aren't many people 
uh, on planet Earth who cover the close uh, the Habs closer than our next guest. Joining us from Montreal is Sportsnet.ca's Eric Engels. Eric, can you hear us? Because we understand it's a little loud behind you right now. <clears throat> I hear you well, and before we get into things, I just want to extend my, my my heart and my wishes to the people in London, Ontario, uh, to the Muslim community. It's just such a heinous act that happened there, and I, I'm sickened by it, and I, I, I just feel it's important to extend my wishes to those people, the victims of this heinous crime. Here, here. Uh, sometimes uh, we've got to come together as people instead of drifting further apart, but I won't quote Dr. King here because we shouldn't perish uh, like fools. So let's continue on with this conversation, Mr. Angles, and focus in on the, the game that you're about to see tonight in Montreal. Um, is Jeff Petrie going to be part of this game tonight? My inclination is he's going to try to play. I don't think anyone's hiding what happened to him. We all saw the images, his hand getting caught in the photographer's slot along the glass. Not a good situation. Obviously wasn't able to complete the third period. So Jeff Petrie is a tough guy. He's going to take warm up. That is the belief here. And I know that if he can play, he will. Have you noticed any sort of change in confidence with this Montreal team? Like, they were in a pretty bad spot not that long ago, and all of a sudden things feel uh, pretty happy-go-lucky. Is the environment around there and their commentary, are you seeing a difference in the way they carry themselves? I doubt I'm the only one seeing it, Justin. I'm sure you're seeing it, too. There's a confidence that comes with never trailing for six straight games, but winning, but also winning with the same recipe over and over and over again. And it's not just that they score first and are able to lock it down. That's obviously a big key to it. It's the way they are committed to playing together as a five-man unit all around the ice. The outs are easy. The ins are easy. And it comes with that puck support in the system that Dominic Ducharme wanted to institute going back to when he took over as coach on February 24th. And I know we're talking about what Kevin said on February 12th on your show, but I'll tell you guys, I said it when I thought this team was put together, that they were built to play in the playoffs. I saw them a lot like the Dallas Stars a year ago that just needed to get there. I did anticipate that they would be better and show something similar to what they showed in the first 10 games at some point over the season. But all the circumstances that happened over the end uh, you know, 25 games in 44 nights, all their key players going down to injury. It just didn't come together. And the big factor in that was that they were wire to wire in a playoff spot and never fell out of one. And I think, you know, with this veteran group, they weren't going to burn it during the regular season. Well, the first four games of the playoffs, they seem to be proving me wrong on that. And then all of a sudden it clicked in game five and they've been the better team no matter who they've been playing since then. So that recipe has been golden. I was doing the quick counting earlier today, and the Habs score five or more in two of three in this series. Uh, They did it just once in their final 21 games. What's been the difference between what they've been able to do over the last little while and how they closed out this season? Well, I'll tell you, I thought Michel Terrier had an active blender. Dominic Ducharme was tweaking his lines all the way down the stretch from game to game and within the games to the point that you wondered how anyone was going to find chemistry. Well, all of a sudden in the playoffs, they seem to have found pairings and lines that make sense. And that fourth line, if you want to call it that, between Perry, Stahl, and Armia has set the rhythm and the tone for the Canadians. And for three guys that don't move exceptionally well and bring the speed element, they're playing fast. You know, the decision-making is, is second nature. And I think you're seeing that permeate throughout the rest of the lineup. There is speed and tenacity on that Deneau line. There is skill and speed on the top field line. Cockney, Anderson, and Byron play a direct north-south game, physical, in-your-face, and that stall line has just found the chemistry to play fast, even if their feet 
don't make them move fast. So when you have that varied attack, it's a lot for the Winnipeg Jets to handle, especially looking at the defense. And Dylan DeMello going down, talk about Mark Shifley, obviously a huge factor. But what they lost in DeMello on the blue line, which was already thin, has been a huge factor in the Canadian taking advantage of the series. Eric, I watched Armia play in the AHL, uh, and I watched him earlier in his career, and I don't know, not overly impressed. And this playoff run, he's been fantastic. He's noticeable. He's offensively dynamic. Is this something like I didn't watch enough Habs this year, or has he found another gear in playoffs that people have kind of been waiting to see? Look, he was a former first-round pick, and when he got traded out of Buffalo, he was in that big field with Vander Kane and all that, Kyler Myers, and he was kind of a forgotten piece. And he goes to Winnipeg in a system where – He's buried down the roster with all the wingers that they had and top flight players and never really got to establish himself there. When he came to Montreal, great opportunity to move up, but confidence was affected in that previous situation. Never really played for Buffalo, never really got a big chance in Winnipeg. And in Montreal, when he finally got one, he felt the pressure of having to take advantage of it. And you see all the tools. I mean, this guy has the size. He has the physicality. He's got the hands. He's got a tremendous shot. He's got the smarts, but you got to be able to pull it all together. And playing with two veterans and Perry installed, who are playing such a simple, effective game, I think it's bringing out the best in him. One of the things that you've always noticed with him, and we saw it last year where he really had a breakout season in Montreal before he broke his hand and got hurt. You know, he, he protects the puck so well. He's so hard to get it away from. And he's got a great shot, takes advantage of it. The big problem that I find that he's had over the years is that in protecting the puck so well, sometimes holds on to it a little too long and his timing is not great in terms of moving it when he has to and that freezes out his his partners he's also had some bad luck you know he caught covid in the middle of this season while he was playing pretty well and had to come back out of it it's not an easy thing to do as we've seen across the league but man whatever he's found right now he's got to hold on to and this could take him to the new new level and he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year and right now He's proving to be a valuable piece that the Canadians are probably going to want to hang on to. Uh, next time we have you on, Eric, we're going to have to remind you to turn your radio down, okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you doing this. Thanks uh, for the time and enjoy the game tonight. I wish I could control what's going on in the building, <laughs> but you know what? I, it's Unfortunately, we don't have the music of Diane behind us. So, yeah, so we it, have to deal with this interview going on on the uh, loudspeaker here, and it's a little annoying to me. Yeah, too. We, we, we never should have cursed Deanne Bebo and her lovely organ music. We should have embraced it each and every time and we're paying for it now. Thanks, Angles. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Uh, there's Thanks, Eric yeah. Angles if you want the latest on the Habs and you don't follow him on Twitter, you're doing it wrong. At Eric Angles on Twitter is where you find him. He doesn't I'm, always do his hits from an off-track betting pub in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I was trying to think of what it was. <laughs> Me too. Is my... it laser tag? Yeah. What are we looking at here? What's happening? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the yes. background there. I just saw uh, Santa Anita going across the background. <laughs> as you were saying, what's that, fairgrounds over there? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I was a tryhard whenever I played any sport. And I just watch the Habs, and I see these greasy goals that they're scoring. And they're just getting to the spots where you have to pay the price to get there. And they're converting on that. Do you think this was a subtle change in tactic? Do you think it was a necessity? Do you think they stumbled upon something because Mm. they had a Leafs team that was missing Muzzin, probably their most punishing defenseman, and figured, hey, why don't we go there? 
Like, yeah. Where, where do you think this came from? Because they're obviously benefiting from it. I really like the just addressing of the, the word a necessity. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have the skill and you have to create offense, like, this is one surefire way to do it is to get to those areas. You could, The goal for a lot of teams like Montreal, who are not, like, laden with firepower, is reduce the events in a game. So try to play so nothing happens at either end. Mm-hmm. Uh, get in the crease, shoot the puck in the net, and you hope for bounces. Hockey is a random enough game that over a course of a seven-game series, couple series, it can pay off. Have teams won the cup doing that? It's happened, but it's not super common. Yeah. But, I mean, it is a good way if you feel like you're a little bit underskilled offensively to, to create offense. Can the Habs advance their first semifinal since 2014 tonight? 2,500 might sound like 25,000 if it happens. It might sound like 50,000 if it happens. We'll hear from Dom Ducharme. Get you set for Ron McLean and the boys next. I'm Tim and Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Justin Bourne, Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff. Just minutes away from sending you to Hockey Central ahead of Game 4 in Montreal. You can see it right here. The Habs have won six straight playoff games for the first time since 1993. You know what happened that year. There was a cup and it came north. They have won 11 straight that year. Canada's last. Here's Dom Ducharme. I got good memories. I mean, I was 20 years old, so... I, I remember well, uh, 93 it was a great time. Every year is different. Um, we're not thinking about uh, that kind of thing inside. We're so focused on the moment. I know from the outside, maybe you can see some things that are looking the same, but you know we have a long way to go. There is Dominic Ducharme, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, getting set for game four. And on the outside looking in, we're allowed to look at other things. How important is it that the Montreal Canadiens get this done tonight? I think it's really important. Um, You know, you got Jeff Petrie with his banged up finger here. Just playoffs are such a war of attrition now. And you look at last season teams like Colorado who got lit up for injuries and just couldn't feel the team. Like part of playoff hockey is like, can you field your best team? And for the Habs to do that, the less games you play, the better. I think it's crucial. Uh, You know, they probably survive if this goes five games, but it should be nice to wrap it up for them. Also outside the room, like I can feel in Montreal, they're starting to look ahead and they see... Colorado and Vegas going toe-to-toe and thinking this could be a prolonged series. Who do we get if we win this and who they get if they win this could be Max Pacioretty and the Las Vegas Golden Knights or it could be the Quebec Nordiques aka the Colorado Avalanche. Like could you imagine if it's the Habs and the Avs and the Avs wear those throwbacks to the Nordiques? I mean, that's a wonderful matchup uh, in terms of storylines and yeah, jerseys and all that. I don't know how wonderful a matchup it is for Montreal, period. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. but it is true. So they're probably looking at that series and just hoping for, for blood. Right. Like you can never say that. You can't go on TV and be like, what I hope is people get, you know, injured badly. Right. But you do. Right. <laughs> you have to. It's so interesting to me to see this because I remember sitting here at this desk and you were here as well, and Jesse was over there, and Leafs fans were so confident at three one. And the momentum seemed to be on Toronto's side. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Montreal and the Canadians who are in that room, and the reason why Dom Ducharme says the cliche at the end where we're in the moment, understands why they have to remain in that moment. It's a pretty fresh reminder, isn't yeah. it, that how quickly it can all slip away. So that, that's a healthy thing. You know, I, I give uh, Paul Maurice some credit. 
where he said, you know, he talked about pressure and says that like, just because you uh, acknowledge it doesn't mean you can't respond to it. And you know, they do feel pressure. Their backs are up against the wall. This is it's big. I think the first period is uh, the series here for Montreal. You got to come out, even though you don't have to, you got to come out here and put this thing to bed. Does this become something where Winnipeg can almost take a little bit from Montreal and how they've been able to climb back in against Toronto and dominate the series with a lot of grace, a lot of yeah. toughness, and a lot of... I know Dominic Moore was on here saying, play your game, but Winnipeg's kind of shifted back and forth. Maybe they need to do the things that Montreal's doing right now and doing so well. Yeah, the other option is just panic and throw them in a blender <laughs> and be like, Nick Ehlers is playing 32 minutes tonight. Right. You know, And that's not a terrible way to go. Like What you've been doing hasn't worked. You know, Ehlers is ninth, uh, has the ninth most ice time in the Winnipeg Jets in the series. Right. You got to mix it up. Like the Leafs played Willie Neal under 22 minutes in their game seven. Will we see some of these guys who have been playing lesser minutes get some more opportunity for the Jets here? I expect we will. This is a dance with the one that brought you. Like you're, at, so, that, yeah. you're at that point where I believe that, especially without Shifley, yeah. like you don't have a lot of options. You scored, what, two goals in the games that he's, one goal yeah. in the games that he's missed. It's just not enough. You have to do whatever you can do. Yeah, and in general, I, I think that you don't change too much and just say we believe in what we've been doing, but the Jets have been you know badly outplayed here. So go with the guys who, who that got you there, but also you got to step it up for, for some guys. And again, Ehlers is a guy who comes to mind. So that is one of two games right now in the National Hockey League. Uh, at least it will be in mere moments from now. Ron McLean about to take over. The Islanders and the Bruins through one period of play tied at one, and it is the goal scorer's for each team getting them on the board. Matt Barzell scores for the Islanders. David Pasternak scores for the Bruins. So dance with the ones that brung you. Mm -hmm. Get your big guns out there and get it done in times like this. And, you know, we don't know what Matt Barzell wore to the game tonight, but we saw what Pasternak <laughs> wears. So another good piece of advice is dress like you're going to, like, a 90s party or something. Hey, look good, play store. good. Look good, play. Oh, I don't know if he looks good. <laughs> I, listen, I support it. Yes. Uh, all right, that does it for us. Always, thank you. Jesse Rubinoff, thank, thank you very much. Thanks, Timmy. Thank you for spending some time with us on this extended edition of Tim and Friends. Time to say you to Ron McLean and Hockey Central, followed by Game 4 from Montreal. Can the Canadians become the first team to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinals? We find out in mere moments. Enjoy the game. Ron McLean, take it away. <laughs>